everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. Ask me what I am thankful for. What are you thankful for, Lyle? Okay. Okay. This is like the biggest news ever. Oh. Nothing, nothing in my radio career has ever topped this news. Wow, really? And I was going to share this news on Monday, but unfortunately I wasn't here on Monday, so I didn't get to share this news. But on Saturday, oh, at around about, about lunchtime, I don't care whether you talked about it or not. <laughs> I, I haven't talked about it. So I'm talking about I became a grandfather. My wife became a grandmother. We have a beautiful baby granddaughter. She is just amazing. She is perfect. Our son is a new father who is who since uh, his child has come has been fainting and gagging, <laughs> <laughs> which is also pretty epic. <laughs> and our amazing daughter-in-law is just she's just an amazing mum. Yeah, wow, that's so, amazing. So we are just. Yeah, it's like the biggest news ever. Nothing has ever topped that. I can see why you'd want to say that. Yeah, of course. Dude, that, Slightly so biased, good. but I don't care. You can you can call me biased <laughs> hey, as long hey, as you want. Hey, when you have I a will. platform, you're allowed to be. <laughs> That's right. I've got a radio. I've got a if, microphone. If you become a radio host and you don't get to promote your personal ongoings and biases, then what's the point of even being here? That's right. That's right. Particularly, particularly when there is a wonderful new little girl who has come into the world. Her name is Florence. Mm, so good. And, uh, of course, um, yeah, I spent the evening with them yesterday and Florence had some time with her pop. Ah, It was really special. Did you say anything or just... I said all kinds of things. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> I, I, You know, I've never taken interest in newborns. Newborns are kind of boring because they don't do anything. But this newborn is just unbelievably special. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's have a look at some positively Let's news. do it. Wow. I want to oh, hear it. Oh, wait, have you, <laughs> you know what's been so awesome? What's that? You not being here. Yes, you, thanks. And great. You know, and you know, uh-huh. and you yeah. know See why? what happens? <laughs> See what happens whenever I'm out? Yeah. And you know why? Because mm. we get to talk about the Olympics. And even what's when, the Olympics? And even when you're here now, I'm going to talk about the Olympics. Never heard of the Olympics. <laughs> oh, because you are sad, Lyle. The Olympics are amazing. It's I did, been I did, I did, really I did incredible. hear that there was a Tasmanian girl that won gold. Yeah, we Australia's, Australia's doing really well for the for the initial stages of the Olympics. Well, generally in the in the Olympics, the initial stages have all the swimming events in it, mm-hmm. and we are the gun swimming country, and so that's where pretty much all our gold medals. come Anyway, from. moving on, moving on, moving no, on. Wait, well, what, what are you talking about after the Olympics? No, Lyle, please. It's a farce. The whole thing is a farce. What? What what does that even mean? If you let if you let biological males compete against women, why would why would I take any interest in it? Okay, well that's like maybe like one category. I don't three. Even, three categories. It's the principle. Yeah, fair enough. It's a farce. But what about when they do cool skateboard tricks yeah, and win right, gold right. medals? Let's it's just, it's about, really cool. Let's, let's hear okay. about cool skateboard tricks. Okay, 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 fine. We well, we don't have to hear about cool skateboard oh, tricks. Good, let's I, move on. I, I, <laughs> I just want to talk about how well Australia is doing and in also how well Japan's doing. They're still sitting at the top of the table in, and they're the host country of the Olympics, yeah, which, wow. is, which is like, you know, usually they're like a, probably a top, top 
10 nation at best. Best um, story was the Filipino chick, I reckon. Oh, yeah. That was just epic. Their first medal, first gold medal mm. in 100 years of trying. That's fantastic. And so much of their talent gets exported. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so oh, good stuff. All right, uh, let's have a look at... Um, okay, so I'm going to do a bit of a focus on the state of Maine um, in the United States. Okay, um, Which is cool. probably a state that... Many people haven't focused on for a long time. I don't know. I feel like it's one of the... It's not a, like a flyover state. You know, it's right there on the East Coast, but it's... Maine's pretty cool. In fact, it's very cold. Yeah, but not many people will really pay much attention to it or give it much focus. It's just kind of... It's, it's a cool kinda, place. It's kind of cool chilling, doing, doing as it wishes. Okay, but there's been a succession of laws that have been passed in Maine that has led to a succession of... Big action, essentially. Um, starting starting with this, so Maine becomes the first has became has become the first U.S. state to make corporations pay for recycling if they don't use sustainable packaging. Now, this is huge because Ooh. because check it out. Um, usually, the the responsibility of recycling is on the consumer. Yes, right. Like literally everywhere in the world. Yes, but in Maine, they're taxing companies for bringing in um non-sustainable packaging cool and so this like all See, this is this is the thing human beings are very intelligent creatures mm-hmm. and we can produce solutions mm-hmm. all you've got to do is produce the problem and now you've produced the problem now we will come up with good solutions so this is the thing so they've, they've brought this tax in you have to pay um the stewardship organization per ton uh you know they this came out of obviously like maine like many u.s states and many places around the world you know having a a want to become better at recycling they actually set for themselves a 50 percent target of recycling in 1989, which they have never hit. So they're like, okay, you know, after 30 years of trying to hit our target, we need to bring in some Step kind of some kind of legislation to to um, make a solution out of this. Anyways, so they've brought in this law, and this has elicited like massive response um, and more laws. Essentially, like Maine as well, what they did uh, around that time was they brought in another ban on. Um, PFAs, um, basically like PFA, like, uh, oh, I had the word in front of me before. It's, um, polyfluoroalkyl substances. So this is what they make, like the plastic boxes and plastic. Take, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plastic. They make, they used to make plastic. plastic. Anyway, th- those things are full of chemicals that have the potential to, um, contaminate water supplies and everything that they end up in them. And they're chemicals that they call them forever chemicals because they don't break down. They just last forever. Yep. And so they, they you know, they're, they're not fantastic. No. Anyway, they've brought in this law as well to try and ban them. And, uh, you know, with, I, I guess, all this pressure that's now on the companies, because they're putting all the responsibilities in the company's corner to be able to, to do something. Um, 23 of the biggest companies, uh, the biggest brands in Maine, which equals 84,000 physical stores and $570 billion annually... I've gotten get. We're talking about people like like TJ Maxx, Chipotle, Home Depot, like all these people have gotten together to absolutely just wipe their stores with this stuff. Like they're getting rid of the the PFA packaging. They're getting rid. You know, they're they're bringing in sustainable um, substances that can be easily recycled or you know naturally break down. They've just like absolutely changed everything. Made a massive investment to. To, to make their stuff more sustainable and more environmentally friendly. 
And now I, I see this, right? And I'm like, this is genius. Just, just hit them where it hurts. If you just put a, a like a, put a tax on it, put a tax on it, things will change. And this is exactly what we saw in Australia in 2009, might I add, um, with the carbon tax. And okay, I'm I, okay. We were talking about personal biases before, and if we have a platform, we can uh, we can uh, use our platform. Comes, here it comes, no, here well, it comes. essentially, okay. So taxing the air that we breathe. No, but the carbon. What the carbon tax did was put in like a a responsibility on companies to produce less carbon. And in the nine months it was in carbon um, emissions from these big companies before they even had time to make drastic changes to their to their processing, um, you know, methods and all this stuff went down by like seven percent. Which is, like, dramatic. which is like 25 billion tons of carbon. That's massive, like huge reduction just by putting a tax on it, just by hitting them in their wallets where it hurts. There's a massive so this drop. is where we need to have a tax on sugar. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing as well. Because that will improve the health of our nation and particularly yeah. our children immeasurably. And this is the thing. It's not that you are hurting the people. And this was the claim that got rid of the carbon tax when new government came in is like that were kind of funded and, and sponsored by these companies that were being affected by the carbon tax, uh, is that, oh, you know, it'll make a, a lamb chop $40 and all this stuff. It will raise the price of everything. But that wasn't the reality. That never happened. Um, what you're doing by putting taxes on things that are bad for people and that ruin the environment is that you, companies change. Companies p- create solutions. You know, companies um, so here's make better decisions. So this is an interesting thought. And this is what pops into my head. Let's say mm-hmm. that we could do away with plastics, right, and we replace it with renewables. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the easiest renewable for packaging, of course, is paper-based. Mm-hmm. But that means we cut down the Amazon. No, but the, then we just grow more trees. Which would be good if that was happening, but we're not replacing those trees. But then but even in Australia we have pine farms. Yes, but pine doesn't do anything, doesn't do squat for the carbon problem. And at the same time, it destroys the ground that mm. the pine trees grow in, so you can never grow anything else there again. Okay, well let's let's use something else. I don't know, algae. No, algae I agree. We should, be, we should be we should be going for renewables, but we should be planting as much as we are taking. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's the goal. That's the that's, goal. That's, that's, that's the what goal we should be doing. And you know, if they were doing that in the Amazon or places like that, then you know, maybe. You know, well, that's the, we've got to head there somehow. Well, right now we're just using non-renewable resources, yeah. <laughs> so there isn't that at all. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so this story is about a web designer mm-hmm. who has been forced to either preach against the Bible or close their business. Okay, why? Um, now you would think that well, what kind of a country would do that? You know, China, Pakistan, Iran, somewhere like that. Uh huh. Um, where was it? Now, now this was this is not a case of where they just have to be. Silent on mm. issues that they disagree with because, you know, in, in, in some countries you just, if there's issues you disagree with, you just don't disagree with them. You just don't talk about them. Mm. And if you don't talk about them, then you're fine. You are fine to promote, you know, your business and do your thing so long as you don't mention those things that you disagree with. But, no, this is not tolerable in the United States anymore. Oh. Um, if you are going to be a web designer in a place like Colorado, then you must you must actively promote anti-Christian beliefs or you are going to be done for discrimination. 
So the most discriminatory piece of legislation that has ever been passed that discriminates against Christians is called an anti-discrimination law. Okay. All right, so let me continue on with the story. This is uh, coming out of Colorado, <laughs> USA. Um, this is a court case brought by Laurie Smith uh, from 303 Creative um, against the uh, Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. Mm. So the C-A-D-A, CADA. Uh, and basically the idea behind it was that she did, she she's a web designer. She develops websites for weddings mm. and she didn't want to promote same-sex weddings on her website because she believes that that's biblically wrong, that the Bible speaks against same-sex marriages. And so under the... Constitution of the United States, where she got where you've got religious liberty and freedom of speech. She's like, well, I don't want to uh, preach a message here that is against the Bible, or that is against my conscience, or that is against my sincerely held beliefs. And so, therefore, I can't produce these kinds of websites for same-sex couples because that's presenting a message. Mm. It's preaching a message. So this went through to the uh, Circuit Court Appeals, the Circuit Court of Appeals, whatever it's called. Three judges heard the case, and in a 3-1 split, it was found against her in that public accommodations law ensures a free and open economy. Well, it might ensure a free and open economy, but it certainly doesn't support freedom of speech and freedom of Religion And it, it doesn't even support a free and open economy because a free and open economy would work like this. If people don't like your services, they don't use your services, you go broke. That's yeah. capitalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And, you know, there's a lot of things I don't like about cancel culture, mm-hmm. but in many respects cancel culture is just capitalism. Yep. Simple as that. And if people don't like something, they gang up on it and say, we don't like that. And the people go broke because they're producing a service that other people don't want. And that's how a free and open capitalist system works. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gag rule prohibits designers and artists from expressing religious views. So this is uh, Timothy Timothy. Timkovich, who was the dissenting judge. And his dissenting view was that this was the most remarkable and novel stance that the government may force Miss Smith from 303 to Creative to produce messages that violate her conscience. He went on to state that Colorado has a compelling interest in forcing Miss Smith to speak a government-approved message against her religious beliefs. Mm. It's a pretty heavy stuff here. And went on to state that no case has ever gone so far. Miss Smith has been singled out for discrimination based on her religious beliefs by anti-discrimination laws. Okay. So, so this is these are all quotes from the dissenting judge. Uh-huh. Yes, go. I'm just like, so, so okay, the dissenting judge has said this. Yes. Does this change anything? No. Because it was a three, it was a, uh, a, a it was a three three person judge, three three person. Um, so it was a two two one split. Yeah. Okay. So you got three judges, two one split, and so there were two who enforced the legislation and one who said, "No, this is crazy." But okay, this is what is really confusing me. Her business is her own private platform. Exactly. How can they force her to do that? 
Exactly. It's not that's even like she's point. writing something on Facebook, which is a private platform owned by someone else. Yes. She's making a website or whatever it is. That's right. It's her own business. This is a, this is a thing called freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Yeah. And freedom of speech and freedom of religion is this. It is Freedom of speech and freedom of religion is not about project, protecting the majority. Mm. It's about protecting the minority. Yeah, wow. And freedom of religion is where we extend to others the freedom to have a religion that we find offensive. Freedom of speech is where we expend, extend to others the freedom to speak things that we find offensive. That's a free society, and that's what, that's what those freedoms are for. Those freedoms, it's not a freedom to have a religion that the majority likes or a speech that the majority likes. The reason these were placed into the Constitution was so that minorities could say things that we don't like. Mm. You know what's so interesting? I talked about a story yesterday about a church that was like in, in Seattle that was... Um, it went to the so that's Colorado's in the tenth circuit of of appeals. Um, Colorado, uh, sorry, Seattle's in the ninth circuit of appeals, and they went to their circuit of appeals to appeal a law that had come out, um, essentially forcing employers to if they if employer chooses to pay maternity leave, they also have to pay the person's abortion fees if they decide to get an abortion. A church appealed that, and the ninth circuit and the church and um, their representation appealed that under um the the their um, really, de- really defense yeah. uh was that they according to the first amendment you know which is freedom of speech they also had freedom freedom to exercise um you know their right religion. as a church to to be a religion um that it's like you know it's saying that the legislation targets the church's um internal policies and so therefore because they're a private entity they don't have to do it and and this, the Ninth Circuit of Appeals actually held that up and said, okay, they don't have to pay the bills. Yeah, an exemption. They gave, they gave them an exemption. But here in the Tenth Circuit, they're no. like, no, nah, no, nah, yeah. you can't have a private business and be religious at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. He stated, uh, um, Judge Timothy Timovich stated, Miss Smith has been forced to violate her faith on pain of sanction by prohibiting religious-based religious-based business practices. Mm. The government should never force creative professionals to promote a message or cause with which they disagree. This is pretty strong statements here, (laughs) and it kind of... It kind of reveals where a lot of places in the United States are heading these days. Yeah, well... This is the same state where, you know, there was the famous uh, um, uh, cake wars began with uh, Jack... uh, Phillips, I think it was, mm. uh, which went right through to the Supreme Court. And there was a similar case on the West Coast recently that the Supreme Court refused to hear. It would be interesting whether they, whether they will pick this one up, up or not. Um, he says here, so the government should never force creative professionals to promote a message or, or cause with which they disagree. That is quintessential free speech and artistic freedom. Yeah, wow. That's what artistic freedom is all about and free speech is all about. Mm. Um. Yeah. So the rights have been stripped away. Church and state, and, and this is this is what's interesting when I look at America right now, because we know this would happen. The Bible said mm. this was would happen, that freedom of religion would be stripped away, and church and state would unite. And what you've got is the group that is most strongly uh, in favour of separation of church and state is also pushing most strongly to get rid of religious liberty. And when you have one side pushing, uh. 
union of church and state, the other side getting rid of religious liberty. When those come together, religious liberty is gone. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I just received a text message uh, that apparently it's, uh, you know, from Karen, apparently Sunday is National Tree Day. There you go. Ah, oh, cool. Go plant a tree on Sunday. Plant 10 trees. Plant 100. I don't know. Plant, plant a bunch of trees. Trees are awesome. Anyway, joining us on the phone right now is David Haupt. And as David joins us, just want to say that, you know, covering stories from the United States that talk about restrictions of religious liberty over there, there are certain things over here that it is illegal to talk about. And uh, particularly David as professional counsellor uh, is no longer about allowed to talk about because of, uh, well, the faith-based issues. And so we're going to um, talk about grief and loss this morning instead of another subject that we may have spoken about otherwise. But David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. I think we still need to talk sometime about that topic, but uh, just be very careful how we do that. Yes, we do but indeed. This morning, this morning, loss and grief. We all experience loss and grief sometime in our life. But the question is, what does it really mean? What, is, what constitutes loss? Well, this is an interesting thought because, I mean, typically when we talk about loss and grief, we think of somebody who has, you know, somebody close who has died. And, of course, unless we die very young ourselves, it's something that we all experience and we all go through. There is no human being that, you know, that that is immune from it. Uh, I guess the question is, does it extend further than that? Well, we've been talking about young people. Young people that have uh, deaths uh, knows exactly how it feels, the tremendous loss associated with the death of a pet. We often have, we live today in a society where uh, relationships fracture and break up. So an intimate relationship, uh, parents that divorce are all forms of loss, uh, loss of friendship, um, loss of our health, our ability, our mobility, uh, loss of work. We often neglect to bring into this equation loss of our innocence when um abuse takes place in our life, loss of freedom, uh, loss in terms of retirement, loss of uh, a family moving away. What about the loss of immigration? Very interesting, Lyle, that uh, families that immigrate to a new country normally within six months will go into a depressed state uh, due to the loss of that which was known to them. And, uh, you know, the extended family is just not there anymore. That's amazing. Let me just pick up on that one. Uh, I, I mean, as you were list- listing through those losses there, there was a bunch of questions that popped into my mind. But let's let's pick up where we talked about with immigration because we have a lot of immigrants in this country. Mm. Um, and many of them come from very, very poor countries, very impoverished countries. They look to Australia as a land of opportunity. And, uh, you know, when there are so many millions or even billions of people who are living in poverty, the opportunity to come to Australia is, you know, better than, better than winning the lotto. But then they arrive here and having arrived in this country and having won the immigration lotto, they fall into depression. What's going on there? I uh, I can just reflect back on my own experience immigrating. I'm, I'm one of those blessed immigrants that were able to immigrate uh, to Australia based on, uh, you know, our, the 
resources that I could provide for, for the country in terms of education and training. But um, I remember going into the shopping mall, searching for that which tastes like home. And uh, the moment that you think that you found it, and you open up the packet and you, you start to, you know, eat on it, it's just not the same. The environment looks different. Those things, those people that used to anchor you to life, that extended community, that environment that you know is just not there. So your anchor points in life, taste, smell, sounds, all of those things are just gone. You've got to rebuild a whole new library of connecting points. Mm, mm. Very challenging indeed. Some of the other ones there that you mentioned, um, you mentioned retirement, loss. When it comes to retirement, is it loss of working life or is it, or are we talking about people who have actually lost their retirement and have to go back to work? No, we're talking about, yeah, about people that uh, lost their work. In other words, they are forced to become of age if they need to go into retirement. And uh, it's very interesting that when two men meet, within the first five minutes, we would have asked each other the following question. What do you do? Yes. Why, why, why do we ask each other that question? That's how we self-identify. We identify ourselves with the work that we do. In other words, when retirement comes, there is an immediate loss of identity, a loss of purpose. We, we suddenly feel that we are not contributing and, and we question our, um, you know, the reason for our existence, but our identity is gone. And so often people that do not have other anchor points in their life um, for me, as an immigrant, my church was an anchor point. So I can go anywhere in the world, it anchors me. Retirement, my church connection, my brothers and sisters in the church still anchors me. But um, for a person that's sole purpose is to go get up in the morning, go to work, come back, suddenly when retirement comes, all of that is gone. Mm, mm. And we often we often don't think about you know some of these things as being times of grief and times of loss for people to go through. But when you talk about you know immigration, uh, they all go into a period of depression after six months. When a person stops working, or you know, is there is there a universal period of depression there as well? Well, it's very interesting that people that were hard workers and then go and retire. Now, I'm not going to, you know, put this as uh, the, you know, every person that does this, but you find often people that have no purpose after retirement that within a year there's either major health issues that erupt or even sudden death experiences. So it is vital for people that are planning their retirement, actually plans to stay active, just to continue to have a purpose to work towards and continue to have a life outside the working environment and slowly work up towards that as retirement. It's just so often I feel, especially males that, uh, that have worked hard their entire life that, and, and we're looking forward now to sit back. Actually, that is the worst thing to do. Find somewhere where you can volunteer, where there's a purpose, where you can make a difference in other people's lives uh, after your retirement. Yeah, that's so important. In and and as you say, we sort of we, we see so many people who retire and then they just sort of 
rust and 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 drift away, and it's yeah, it's quite sad to see it happen. But they just with inverted commas, they just shrivel up as as a person, suddenly mm. disappear. Their their whole personality changes, and none of that needs to to really take place. I utilize as a set of programs in uh, Cabernet and Blackburn. I heavily. Uh, made use of the grey matter of the grey-headed people that had so much to offer, so much experience. There's so much experience in those grey heads that if only they could utilise it in a different way, it could make a huge blessing and impact in other people's lives. With um, people who are you know retiring and moving you know in, into retirement and, what, and, and that kind of thing, then obviously they're going to need to slow down somewhat from you know your standard eight-hour working day, how yep. much how much should they be planning to do in their retirement? I mean, often we meet people and we're just like, yeah, you did a terrible job of retirement. You failed retirement because they just sort of seem to be more busy in their retirement than otherwise. But how do My we? Wife. Sorry. Yeah. How do we? How do we? How do we create that balance? My wife already is starting to make up a list for my retirement of job, jobs that I need to do. And Lila thinks your, your wife might be busy with that as well. Uh, I think I think so, most of our wives have been doing that, haven't they, David? Exactly. So I think the, the fact, though, is what we neglect to do during our working life is that we neglect to plan play time, in other words, relaxation time versus work time. We... Uh, for those of us that are A-type personalities, just keep on working. That's where identity lies. My, my identity should not be in the work that I do. My identity should be in who I am in my relationship towards God. Mm. And I think retirement is where you do not stop planning, but you actually plan. I, I work on a year plan. So I know exactly what I'm going to do in December month. Uh, otherwise, I can't function. And I think retirement, you need to continue to do that. Plan to have your breaks. Plan to have your work. Plan to, to connect with family. Plan to do creative things that actually you can stand back and be proud of. That is that time of your life that, where the creativity uh, God designed us to be creative beings. Mm. He designed us to work. And retirement should not be a time where all of that suddenly stops. If you look at the people in the blue zone, you find that they are all people that work, still work deep into the 80s and 90s. They still do physical work and are very healthy, mentally as well as physical. And just a quick reminder to our listeners, if you've got questions for David and topics that you would like him to address, uh, then please send them through to us here. 0491064669 is the number. And uh, even if you'd like to uh, you know, just pop a question, maybe you're considering retirement and or moving up towards that stage of life and would like to know more about it. David, very quickly, um, is it different for women when it comes to retirement? You talked about how men, you know, we meet each other, uh, we introduce ourselves, this is my name, this is your name. And then the next question, it's like, oh, what do you do? What about with women? Is that different with women? And does that play out differently when women retire? There is there is a difference uh, in the way that women, uh, you know, grow older than versus men. Uh, you will always find that women 
are, if, if, if this is a, a female living in a relationship with a male, uh, she still maintains her motherly responsibilities of, you know, doing her domestic work in the home. And when retirement comes, none of that changes. So she just puts more emphasis on, on doing those activities. So there's a, a part of her identity that, that is consistent right through her entire life since she got married through to having her children as well as after the, the bearing age of children, uh, maintaining a relationship with her husband, that caring, the domestic work that she continues to do. And most probably during this time of retirement, she will try to pull her husband in more often into the domestic world. I'd, I'd like to say to our listeners that especially for the males, if you are in a marriage relationship, become involved. Help your wife with, with those roles because it is vital that you work as a pair. In my home, uh, the fact that both of us are working, my wife works less hours than me now. She's starting to scale down as we are getting older, but she's doing, taking on a greater role in the home than outside the home. And you see that consistently going through lifespan. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And so, David, I'm just going to throw this in there because um, because I can. But uh, <laughs> last, I, I mean, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 18 years off of retirement. But last Saturday, I became my wife, Shell, and I became grandparents. And how congratulations! Role, thank you, thank you. What role do uh, grandchildren have in in? Uh, I guess you know. I, I'm just sort of listening to what you're saying here and thinking, you know, being involved with grandchildren and so forth in retirement would be a great activity to make a significant priority. Lal, I've got five little granddaughters. So uh, do we still have a lot of time available? Because I can talk a lot about this. <laughs> I didn't think you and you know I might get started on this. <laughs> nah, unfortunately we're out of time. But I just I just wanted to throw that in there because I could. And, uh, the, you the know. The best gift, the best gift is to become involved in your grandchildren. If I knew what grandparents are all about, I would have had my grandkids before I had my own kids. It is such a joy, but you have such a huge influence on those kids' lives, and you can completely change the trajectory for their lives. Yeah, praise God, praise God. Maybe we should talk more about uh, being a grandparent because now it's suddenly become an issue for me in a, in a future topic. But, uh, David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Blessings to you and your listeners. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.